0: Welcome back, everyone. It's another midweek roundup. Bit of a shorter week this week, but we have a couple topics to discuss. We had a UCL draw on Monday morning. We'll talk about that. Some other soccer news, some controversial uh, developments in the Super League, but we'll get to that. We'll start with a couple of the cup matches we had this week. England had the FA Cup. Um, we had Chelsea. EFL cup. It was the FA Cup. I'm sorry. Uh, we had Chelsea actually make more progress towards some silverware after spending billions of dollars uh how do we feel about that game
1: yeah i know um it was a good result for them in the end i mean i didn't think chelsea played well in this game at all they got lucky uh trippier made yet another mistake he's been having a horrible horrible stretch of games i mean i think he's made a mistake that's led to a goal at least once in the last six or seven games for newcastle it's been pretty rough for him so I mean that that mistake right at the end let Mudrick score and they were able to go to go to penalties and and come away with the win. Uh, Petrovic made a fantastic save I thought to win the game uh in penalties. It was a great save to his left high. Um and I don't know. Uh, the commentator said it was an easy height for him but I thought it was a pretty impressive save in my opinion. He he had to get there and he made it he made it he made it his his save so and he he was the hero. So good for him. Shout out to Rev, shout out to Jordi Petrovic. Yeah, I mean, uh, Newcastle haven't been that
2: great uh, as of late, but still a really good side. So, I mean, it's good confidence boost for Chelsea uh, to get a win against a solid team. Granted, it's the cup a little bit different, but a little bit concerning. They they lose Enzo, and from what I saw, he's had a he got a pretty rare condition thing that required a lot of rest, and I think it's something Emil Smith-Rowe has been dealing with. So, could be a, a long-term injury for him that could uh, make that price tag look even worse. But um, it looked like a predominant display. So hopefully they can uh, not that I want them to do good, but for for their fans' sake that they can get a, a good run of games going.
1: I mean, they play Middlesbrough on the next round, so yeah, not to discredit Middlesbrough, but there's every reason they should be in the final of this tournament. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it'll just be a consolation prize for them, obviously. To you know, bring home something to rectify all that money in. spent. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um and then just uh just another like fun game in terms of goals scored. Liverpool cruised by West Ham 5-1. Obviously, um a little bit of a rotated side in a couple positions, but pretty strong in total. Um and they just absolutely smoked West Ham 5-1. Yeah,
1: I mean, I felt like West Ham really didn't even show up for this game. I know they had a lot of a couple changes at the back. I mean, solid and start either for Liverpool, but right. You know, I was pretty disappointed in West Ham's display in this game. And Liverpool, it was a typical Anfield performance from them. I mean, they were rocking from the get go, and they never looked back once they started scoring. I mean, it was the floodgates were open. So, yep, yeah. Liverpool really
2: fortunate. I think they probably have one of the deeper teams in in the Prem this year because they they can do a what four or five changes right here, and they still have a really really strong. Strong lineup. Uh, But yeah, uh, West Ham, not the case for them because they looked like they were really missing uh, Paqueta and and Ward-Prowse throughout the the early parts of that game.
1: I agree. Yeah, I felt they were a little bit overrun in the midfield, and that really was the story of the game.
0: Yeah. uh, Obviously, maybe some tired legs, too, as we get into this time of the season where there's a lot of congestion, and then they get like a little bit of a break, and then hopefully we see what happens come January. Um. Then we'll move, we'll move to Spain, where there's a couple of like catch-up games in the league. Um, the league's mostly on a break. I think there'll be one more game this weekend. Mostly on a break until after the holidays. Um, we see Atleti, the, one of the bigger games, 3-3, three, three, yeah. six-goal thriller. Um, a red card, Atleti's way. Uh, mm-hmm. Dropping points, though. Atleti not replicating that dominance that we talked about in the UCL, um, in their group, and dropping points in the league.
1: Yeah, you know, I thought my takeaway from this Atleti game was very similar to what I said in the last episode. You know, I thought that they they were struggling with a bit of tiredness in the side and they haven't been rotating enough, and I think we saw that. That was the case here. I mean, they blew a 2-0 lead in the second half to Hatafe, And I felt like they were the better side throughout the game, and they were they probably should have came away with the win, and they didn't. And I think that's that really tells you... Where they are in terms of this, their squad depth this season, I think that's something that's not really their strong suit, and it, it might affect them when they go deeper into tournaments like the Champions League, as we're going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where they go from here because they've been kind of struggling a little bit lately. They've dropped points again, so we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah, go ahead, too. They're definitely nowhere near as strong as they were have been in the past, but um, yeah, it's just. I feel like Savage gets a red card. It does something stupid every game I watch him play. Yeah, um, so I mean, no surprise there. But yeah, yeah that's just shooting themselves,
0: good. shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, credit to them for, I mean, keeping that lead, getting the lead after playing yeah. with nine men. I mean, ten men mm-hmm. since minute thirty-eight. So I mean, that's there's a bit of credit to be said there. But obviously, like you said, tired legs, especially when you're a man down, doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Barcelona. Get the three points, right, on paper. But um, yeah. squeezing a victory out of Al Almeria, Maria, I think it's yeah.
1: pronounced. Yeah, and, this is um, this was a game I watched. Yeah. The Barcelona Al game. And I have to say going into it, you know, if you look at the if you look at the league table going into the game, Al Maria bottom of the table. They haven't even won a game this season. Right. And you would expect Barcelona to blow them off the pitch. And to be quite honest with you, I thought Barcelona were pretty poor in this game again. Uh, they really allowed Al Maria to play their football like I've been saying the last few episodes now they they stand off they let everybody do what they want and it's really it's really annoying to watch if you are a Barcelona fan I'm not but if I was I would be really really disappointed watching them play these last few weeks because uh, this this is just not what you should be you should be doing I think defensively I think it's poor coaching I think Xavi's got something that he needs to sort out here I know they come away with the 3 points but to squeeze out a three-two win, concede twice to the bottom, the team that's bottom in the league. I just think that's not good enough. Yeah, and I mean to rely on Sergio Roberto to score twice. I mean he only had almost had a hat trick in the game as well. That's just mm, I don't know. I have, a, I have a lot of questions of of uh, Xavi and of Barcelona right now. Yeah. I mean, from a from a
0: goal scoring point of view, right there, they had a thirty, 30 shots, um, a lot of chances. Obviously, created a bunch, but it just seems like when it comes to these Barcelona games, it's like one or the other, and never both. Like they they can never get good attack going and defend well at the same time. Yeah. They either, they either hold out the other team to not a lot of goals, but can't score themselves. Yeah. And they what make a know? lot of a lot of mistakes, dude. A lot, a lot, of, lot of simple mistakes. Yeah. Speaking of mistakes, uh, Inaki Pena, I believe it's pronounced. Um, Error led to a goal. I mean, he's just not having that many good games. Barca probably really missed yeah. Ter Stegen, who's not going to be back until like March, I believe. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So that's going to hurt, especially as they try to move into Europe. Obviously, going to be a lot of knockout games before March. So, yeah, interesting I mean, one in, there. In a vacuum, this game isn't
2: a big deal, right? Like you can have bad games, you can you can right. struggle against the lower bottom half of the table squad, but to, for it to be happening so consistently right. over the last few weeks, it's right. that's where the concern starts coming in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not so much because obviously they get the three points. That's what matters mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, especially in the league because it's not so much about goal difference and stuff. But yeah, um, it's it's a reflection of who you're winning against and how you're doing it. And there's just more questions to yeah, be asked that we said. We've said that probably every episode now about asking questions about Barcelona. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see how they answer them. Um, and then we have our other two heavyweights. Uh, Real Madrid, squeaking a win, 1-0. Uh, also playing with 10 men. Seems to be the trend in Spain this this week. Um, yeah, yeah. Lucas Vasquez coming up big for them. Mm-hmm. Our star boy didn't score, but that's he can't do it every week, right?
1: Yeah, I thought I kind of was disappointed with Jude in this game, to be honest. Actually, Real Madrid as a whole, I felt like this game kind of sucked. Yeah, it was not not a very good watch, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, Jude, Jude just seemed he seemed a very frustrated and tired figure in this game. He didn't seem like himself really. So I think the uh, Nice little break that they have in La Liga coming up. is going to be welcome for him.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, credit to Real Madrid because that puts, some, um, I think, on goal
0: difference in first place, tied with points mm-hmm. with Girona, which yep. going to Girona, they tie 1-1. Um, against Real Batista, it's not a bad side. They're pushing seventh. They're trying to make their way into those European spots. So I guess credit to them. Obviously, you can't be high on your high horse the whole season. Um, Got to be a couple slip-ups. It's just whether how they react to this game now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, season.
1: I did manage to watch this game. I thought it was actually uh, a very good game. Even though it was 1-1 on paper, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> it was an end-to-end from from minute one. Uh, both teams were going for it right from the start, and they both wanted to take three points. Uh, and I think Girona didn't have their best game, in my opinion, in the last few games that they've watched in comparison, but I thought Betis were fantastic in this game, and I think that they would probably feel a little bit hard done by to not come away with three points, but... They scored late in this game. Petzela scored a great goal. The ball fell to him off a corner, but I felt like Batiste had a lot of chances to score, especially in the first half. And they probably could have came away with something more. And Girona should probably feel a little bit lucky to come away with just a draw. Yeah. Yeah. Big test will definitely be next game where they have uh, Atletico
2: uh, Mm. in the new year. So if they can bounce back, then they can prove that they belong here at the top. If they struggle it it's a, it's a, it's a beatable Atletico team. They, they right. haven't been that great right. uh, yeah. either. Um, so if, if they can get a good that result game, against them... They where they is that really game? Long. Is it in Atletico or is it in Girona? I believe it is in
0: Girona, yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. that'll definitely be a big game for them. Yeah, that'll yep. be
0: interesting. Um, almost, it kind of looks like it would be a good a good game to be tested because obviously atletico like we just talked about not in a great spot so if they can catch an uneasy atletico which is still a good side prove themselves you know give themselves the confidence it'll be good for their season Mm -hmm. um continuing with our speedy overview of the games we'll move to germany where a club that we just keep talking about dropping points dortmund again just not living up to previous you know expectations and and seasons And just having this subpar season trailing farther and farther down the table from first. Yeah. Yeah, that elusive league title. Yeah, it's the elusive league title that just is escaping them. Um, Yeah, just another draw against, I mean, a decent side, but still.
1: Mm-hmm. i think they really miss, i think we're really starting to see that they miss uh jude and i think they're having a little bit of hangover from the uh push that they had for the title last season i mean it went all the way to the final day and i think to lose like that in the fashion that they did kind of takes a lot of that uh, takes a lot out of you so yeah and i think That's
2: they've awesome. always been fantastic at replacing their talent but it just seems like the last few seasons the the players they've lost just the the people coming in are just nowhere near the same talent i mean granted you're replacing holland and jude Bellingham. yeah Yeah,
1: they're impossible there's
2: there's nobody i i don't see enough talent there to kind of replace uh the contributions they were giving so they're in a little bit of a tough spot right now
0: yeah Mm -hmm. it's interesting because right you say um that they usually replace their talent but it does feel like it takes a little while usually for them to to do so um it takes you know like a a season or two and obviously they're in that swing season but it's also a thing like what is their game plan when it comes to the transfer market because they constantly do that they they'll sell to Bayern, they'll sell to other big clubs that they play in the ucl and it doesn't seem like they're trying to retain talent to win things it's just a weird thing because i've i've always been a fan I'm, i don't watch too much of the bundesliga but when it comes to watching those games i do like dortmund i i love mm-hmm. the old teams i used to see when i was younger um but yeah it's just interesting how they go about business. Um, elsewhere in Germany are our league leaders still uh, yep. Leverkusen four nil still undefeated. Obviously yeah. a great victory.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Patrick Schick hat trick in the first half. Yeah, great performance from him. I mean, he he started this game. They gave Victor Boniface a rest, and then Boniface came in in the second half and he scored. So
0: yeah,
1: I mean, can't ask for much more from Leverkusen. I mean, I think it's a pretty expected result against Bochum. They're not doing too well on the table right now, but good for them. I mean, we we already knew they were going to confirm themselves as winter champions last week, but. It's it's nice to see that they can keep winning and keep proving that they are a team to to be feared in the Bundesliga this season and they're not to be not to be a uh, second guest. Yeah, yeah. Another assist
0: apiece for each of the uh, wing backs too, so mm-hmm.
1: you know, they're just in great form. Yeah, we
0: we definitely killed that r- most recent analysis we made about Leverkusen when it comes to the wing backs and Florian Wirtz, all, all assists for that hat trick. Um, and it's I think it's such a confidence boost for like the the, t- the squad itself when right one of their most informed players boniface sits the bench right at first to start the game little rest and the replacement goes and bangs a hat trick. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. the fact that you can rest your probably most informed player and then still get a hat trick from the, the substitute. I mean, yeah. more. I mean, let's not just here?
1: let's not disrespect Patrick Schick here. I mean, he's a oh, certified legend. Yeah. Uh, we we can't forget the goal he scored in the Euros. Right. That goal from the halfway line. And I mean, I mean, I've seen a lot of him at Roma. He was a good player. I don't. I know a lot of people di- disrespected him when he was with us, but I always. I always thought there was some talent there, and it's good to see that he's showing he is a capable goal scorer.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I agree for sure. No doubt. Uh, Bayern still chasing uh, their normal piece of silverware they collect every season. to Two one victory over Wolfsburg, so keeping yep. it close. Another goal for Harry Kane. Yeah. Harry Kane obviously looking to not be the meme of the internet by going to a new club and then going trophyless, So they'll be really hoping for that. And I, I love Harry Kane. So um, yeah. while I, I hate to see Great a dominance player. in the league, it just it seems to water it down. But I would love mm. to see him win a piece of silverware. So hopefully he does something with them.
1: 100%. As long as it's not with England, I'm fine with it.
0: <laughs> I know, especially not this summer. But we'll get to that one day.
1: Um, Italia. Uh, how did that go this week, G? Yeah, couple just a couple games in Italy. We had the Coppa Italia this week. No, no league games. Yep. Uh, the league games will be right before Christmas, just to wrap up the season before the break. And um, so the first game was on was on Tuesday. We had Napoli versus Frozenone, and it was an interesting game going into it for us uh, Serie A nerds because uh, a couple of seasons ago, De Laurentiis, the owner of Napoli, called out Frozenone when he when the Super League first became announced. And he said that he didn't believe teams like Frosinone, who he named specifically in his quote, uh, he said that they didn't deserve to be in the league if they were going to get a slice of the money pie and then get relegated just that same year. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of a kind of a revenge game for Frosinone and they came and they they made them pay. Uh, Napoli really heavily rotated their side. I mean, I think they should still expect to come away re- with a result from this game, considering the level of the team that they are. Mm-hmm. But uh, they got absolutely played off the pitch, in my opinion. I didn't watch the game when it happened, but I saw the result, so I said to myself, you know what? I have to go back and watch this game because I need to see what happened. And I, I felt like Napoli played pretty well in the first half, but when the going get, got tough in the second half, it was all Rosinone and they they deserve to come away with with three points. They scored four times and. It was four deserved goals, in my opinion, and I think it's nice to see that they can shut up De Laurentiis because he does say some wild things sometimes, and yeah. it was nice to see him get put in his place for once. And uh,
0: yeah. it's funny, it's funny because they scored all their goals after Napoli made four substitutions to increase their side more towards that starting eleven strength, and um, mm-hmm. you know what? They deserved it. Obviously, playing them off yeah. the pitch like that. Um, yeah, that's a that's a great game. I, I like that little story too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Some people talk too much before they can uh, really act on it.
1: Yep, yeah, De Laurentiis is definitely one of those. Yeah. And then tell me about the Inter-Bologna game. Yeah, so moving on to that one, it was the the other match that we're going to see at this point in time for the Coppa Italia. The other matches won't be till after the new year. But uh, this one was Inter versus Bologna. Obviously, going into it, if you look at the league table in Serie A, this is a pretty good game yeah. because Inter and Bologna are probably the most informed sides in the league right now. And... I felt like the game kind of sucked. I mean, I didn't really. It's not one of those games where both teams play the most exciting attacking football. So you're not going to see. I didn't think it was going to be high scoring going into it. And that was exactly the case. Nobody scored during the regular 90 minutes. Uh, There really wasn't too many chances. Clear cut for either side either. Um, Inter ended up scoring within two minutes of the start of extra time. And all signs were pointing to. Them going through, and then all of a sudden, Joshua Zerci, who's been showing his class all season, did it again, and he showed his class with two brilliant assists. The first one was a, a beautiful back heel off a corner to keep the ball from going out of bounds, and it just set up a, a nice, t- easy tap-in for, for the leveler, and then minutes later, he sent a cherry for hot dogs. He put the ball right through his legs, and he played a nice b- ball to slip in, and Doy threw, who lo- lofted the keeper, and that was game. Bologna cruised through. They're on to the quarterfinal. I think this is the first time in their history they've ever made the quarterfinal of the Coppa Italia. So good for them. They keep doing well. And it's just more proof that Thiago Malta is a serious coach and he knows how to get it done. I mean, this is an Inter team and an Inzaghi team that's probably considered one of the best coaches' teams in Italy, and if not in Europe. And to go to Inter and beat them in a cup game, I think it's pretty impressive. So big ups to them and big ups to Thiago Malta. And I think Joshua actually is really... Really going to become one of the top uh, strikers in the world one day. And I think he's showing that week in and week, in, week out now in Serie A. Yeah, yeah. that
2: Inter lineup wasn't too far off of what they came up against Benfica with. So they didn't even, it's not like they, they fielded a bad squad and a heavy, heavily rotated one. So Bologna really had a good performance. I caught a bit of it. And yeah, they
0: looked. Uh, it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out to uh, Federico in net with a penalty save on Lautaro. Obviously, mm-hmm. Lautaro is someone who is known to be pretty clinical, right? Yeah. In in really good goal scoring form. So to stop the people. yeah, definitely not
1: his best penalty from Lautaro, but right. yeah, definitely a, definitely a good save for him. I mean, it changed the game, kept in
0: right. the minutes. So. And and sometimes things like that. I mean, we know playing the game ourselves. Like you make a big save like that. Is is there a big moment like that defensively? It could turn on your attack. You know what I mean? You just get that little mm-hmm. that little boost, um, a momentum switch. And obviously, they ended up winning. So. It was obviously powerful for them. Uh, moving over to France, we had uh, two games to talk about quickly. Uh, PSG just, you know, dominance once again. Mbappe yep. scoring a race he's scoring a race to next to his uh, his brother, right?
1: Yeah, he's the younger brother. Ethan came on; he's 16 years old, so pretty pretty cool to see that. I guess. Yeah. I mean, he looks just like him with dreads, so it's yeah. kind of weird. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he is that level. I I don't I don't really think he is. I don't expect him to be. But it'll be cool to see what happens with him going forward. Uh, PSG played their weird formation again, and I yet again was very confused watching them go forward and attack and trying to figure out who the fuck was trying to go where and when at what time. But other than that, I mean, they came away with the win. So I guess I guess uh, Luis Enrique must be knowing something that I don't. So.
0: And I, I, yeah. I don't feel like Luis Enrique is the kind of guy that does weird tactics. So it's it's interesting that he's, yeah, he's trying very, something. It's
1: very, very intriguing to yeah. like watch it and to try and... It's just, I don't know. I don't know how you... as If I was coaching against a team like that, that was playing like that, I would have no idea how to set up defensively for that because who the fuck is going where, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of good news for them
2: is that uh, with this break, they probably should be expecting to get a lot of their injured players back. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairly soon because i think you should start seeing like a new menge and uh even dembele ready uh by the time the league starts up again yeah. so there there's a good uh, momentum booster for them conference booster um and then they'll probably be hoping to uh start the year off right when yeah. they start up again
0: yep uh five points clear but you never know how that can go if they don't keep the pace so um and then to touch just on a nice little story leon obviously us growing up, a team that's usually pretty much always been in in League One, sometimes even competing for the, the the title, are out of relegation for now. Um, so that's nice to see. Yeah, after the game
1: this week, hundred percent. We also had a red card in the game too. Really, so it was good. To, good to see that they were able to hold strong and uh and keep the result. And uh, one other thing I wanted to top, touch on too before we leave uh the League One. I uh, wanted to shout out Kamori Dumbia from Stad Brest. He scored four goals in the first half from left center mid. So that's, wow. that's pretty freaking crazy. Yeah. Um, so big ups to him. I mean, that I can't imagine that happens too often. It must have set some sort of record in League One. 20 so. years old too. Mm-hmm.
0: That is um, quite the performance, absolutely. Against Lorien, who aren't a terrible side either. Yeah. Um, and then um, just quickly before we end on leagues and we go to just another competition that's happening right now. Uh, Jay, how do you feel? Obviously, Benfica played in a cup and played a second division side, but a dominant performance, a lot of great attacking. That third goal was like a phenomenal one pass from the back, straight over the top, lob over the keeper. Um, great offensive display, obviously, against a, a much weaker side, but does that make you feel better about some of the things you've been seeing recently?
2: Yeah, probably a little bit. It was a good performance uh, overall. Um, I mean, the the team they played... Um, I guess we'll call them OVS, Avs, whatever they go by now, because it's all the weird Portuguese league stuff. They're yeah. they're second in the second division, so they're right. they're doing pretty well. And and like we saw this year, we we spoke about it in one of our earlier podcasts. The promoted teams tend to do decent mm-hmm. uh, when they move up to the first division. Right. It almost seems like the top two or three teams in the second division could easily compete in the first every year and do fairly well. Right. Um. So the gap isn't that bad. But yeah, overall good performance. Got to see a little bit more rotation, or towards the end of the game, with some players that don't get as much time, um, and got some good news. And in the, the post game, after Thiago Veia scored, Roger Schmidt said that uh, he'd like to give him more opportunities this year. So that's exciting because he's mm-hmm. one of a, one of the players to watch for me on that squad.
0: Yeah, and um, obviously, someone who can score goals would be welcome. After all the conversations we've had about the lack of goals finishing. Yep. So, um, yeah, I so- don't think we had a striker goal either. So. Yeah, very interesting. Obviously, Di Maria, João Mario, your favorite, um, and an own goal. So interesting, obviously, fantastic performance. I caught a little bit of the game, just the dominant display, the classic Benfica. um, So we'll see. Remains to be seen if they will maintain that performance. And then a competition that I think probably had more weight before we were born and when we were real young. Um, but obviously, it's it's still the competition of the best clubs from each continent. Um, so all credit is due to the pl- people that participate, and then obviously the club that wins. Um, we just finished watching a couple hours ago. Man City win the yep. Club World Cup against Fluminense. I was catching some of that game, and City looked dominant, but and but like it just it looked like Fluminense like just lost their head. But they've yeah. been out of season for a couple weeks now. I feel like it's it's interesting to come off obviously. Uh, their, their season then go cold and try to stay fresh by training a couple times a week probably mm-hmm. i can't i can't imagine it felt too good for them um i think city would have won regardless even if they were like fresh off the season um but yeah. they just looked all of they didn't even look coordinated they, I mean, like they just got off the beach or something yeah you know i
1: watched the game as well and i watched it from the start and i don't know if you caught it from the beginning but they did make a i mean marcelo made a pretty bad mistake yeah. uh about forty seconds into the game, and that pretty much set the whole tempo for the, for uh, Man City. They pretty much didn't look back from there. Uh, a little bit disappointing because you know I I think it, it's always a privilege to be able to see one of the great left backs of our time, Marcelo, be able to play yeah. and compete for another another title. So it was a little disappointing to see to see him be at fault for the goal, but it's whatever. I think it was expected for Man City to come home with the Club World Cup title, and that's what we saw. So yeah, and then uh, I'll credit to its. Where it's due um
0: julian alvarez one of the most decorated 23 year olds we've probably seen in our lifetime he's um, already completed football essentially yeah there's not much else for him to win where he is right now obviously if he moves leagues he could win another league title but um yeah he's doing and like people are sit here and argue probably like big haters i mean i'm not city's biggest fan um but obviously they play great football and people might say, oh, he's got a great club behind him and makes it easy. But, I mean, I, he did it with um, River Plate. So, and he did it with the Argentina squad, which arguably wasn't really that good. And they won the World Cup. So, clearly, he can perform despite not having absolute best players in the world around him. Um, so, credit yeah, to him. Yeah, and not for nothing, he's also
2: trying to fill in for Holland right now right. As, the, as the number nine. So, he, right. two goals and an assist in this
0: game. So, I'd yeah. say he's doing pulling his own weight so yeah for sure yeah i don't think um there's any room to discredit him at all um no matter how you feel about the club and stuff so <clears throat> for sure so i think that just about wraps up the games we had to talk about this week um but there is another important matter uh after our ucl matchup of the last legs of the group stage last week we now have our draws for the round of 16 and um knockout phases respectively to each competition We'll look at, you know, everybody's favorite, the UCL. Um, Eight, I think, good matches, more or less. Probably about 50-50 split of, like, who looks like a clear winner. But there's a couple games you just don't know how it's going to go, and it's all about how well you play at home. First matchup is Porto-Arsenal. I'll run through them all, and then we'll give our takes. Uh, PSG-Real Sociedad. That one seems a little top-heavy, but you never know. psv uh, Dortmund could go either way. Copenhagen-Man City, uh, Napoli-Barcelona, Inter-Atletico-Madrid, Lazio-Bayern, and Real Madrid take on Leipzig. Just just hearing those clubs, matchups, which one sticks out to you the most, and which one do you think is going to be the most boring or straightforward? I'm going to
1: make a hot take here. I think all these ties are going to be pretty boring, in my opinion. Okay. Um, I'm... I don't know, this might be a bookable offense if I say this, but I think the Europa League is going to be a lot more competitive and entertaining to watch this year than the Champions League. Um, the only two ties that really stick out to me in this are uh, Napoli-Barcelona, obviously Maradona-Darby, that's pretty cool to see, and uh, Inter Atletico's little Simeone-Darby. I think those are the two real ties that are tough to call, but other than that, I think there's a pretty pretty clear winner in the other. The other six. I don't know about you guys, but that's my take.
2: Yeah, no, I I definitely feel the same. I think um, the round of sixteen is pretty much set up where there's a pretty clear favorite in each in each game. Um, so I think that'll make for a great quarterfinal matchup because you, you can have some real real good games there. But um, yeah, um, if I were to pick one, that where I think there's a there's a good chance for an up, upset, probably pick PSG to lose to to Sociedad um, because they've played. Played pretty well, and PSG's gone through a bit of a. They're up and down. They always. They're not great in this competition as good as they expect to be. Um, so I, that one wouldn't surprise me much. Um, and yeah, the rest of them look pretty straightforward. The, the Napoli Barca um, is definitely the the pick of the games in terms of the the most competitive.
1: Mm, for me, I think though. that's yeah. that's the most entertaining game to watch mm-hmm. of of the eight, in my opinion.
0: Um, it's funny. It's funny you say that, Jay. Actually, I—I I, that was my pick for a game because I feel like we've seen PSG spend a load of money, just like we talk about in other clubs, um, and have little to no success in Europe. Yeah, dominate League One. I mean, that might as well just—you know—they might as well write PSG at, at the beginning of the season on the trophy. Um, mm-hmm. but it remains to be seen what they can do in Europe. Have they even? I, like off the top of my head, I don't know if they've made one final, or maybe they made one. Yeah, they—they they oh, made that. Uh, was
2: it that? That COVID one against uh, Bayern, they lost like 8-2? Yeah. Was that maybe. the one? I yeah. I
0: think so, something yeah. like that. I mean, it,
2: other than that, I think it's like quarterfinal exit Yeah, uh, at best the last like six,
1: seven the eight, years. The 8-2 was semifinal. Oh, it was yeah, semifinal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. because it was over two legs. They played PSG in the final.
0: Um, But yeah, so I think that Paris... That paris Real sociedad game is going to be an interesting game because I think Sociedad are a very well-organized team. I think they're going to go into that game with a plan. And if PSG so- keep playing these whack tactics and like uh, don't really, really perform and like take it seriously, I think they'll be surprised when they go to Spain. And I think they might even get caught sleeping when they're in Paris. So... Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think injuries are
2: probably going to be the key there, because uh, right, right we, we just talked about that they might be getting some players back, but yeah, they also got to get more accustomed to all playing together again, because some of these have been long term injuries. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it it could be interesting. Uh,
0: that's definitely yeah. one to watch out for. Yeah, I um I do agree with G when he said that the Europa League is going to be more competitive. Definitely, at least in this for first sure. round. I think once we get a lot of the the, the smaller hitters in the UCL out, and it's going to be a quarterfinal of heavy hitters. That'll be more interesting too. But mm-hmm. I, I, just, I'm not, not 100% on board with every game having a straightforward winner. I think it's probably spit 50-50. I think, I think if Real Madrid don't play to their best, which they don't always do, especially if like for some reason Jude is not on his game or not even playing, Leipzig have a decent squad. I think PSV Dortmund's going to be an interesting game depending on how they play each game at their respective yeah, venues. Yeah, that's true. And Except I for think different reasons. I hate Porto, um, and I don't think they're at their best, but they've performed decently well in... In Europe, and if they can have a really good game in Porto, and oh, you know scrape out maybe a draw in London, yes, yeah, I'd love to agree with you on that. But, but I disagree.
2: This really? Porto squad—we've talked about this before. Yeah. This Porto squad is awful. Like, I think compared to their last few few seasons where they've had good runs, they're just—they're not that good. And it's wishful we thinking. also talked about, yeah, for sure. I mean, sure. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Arsenal yeah. also haven't been struggling as much as they probably were last year i mean if this yeah. was last season and Ar- where arsenal was kind of like surprised at the top and and moving on then yeah. i'd probably agree like yeah porto can definitely catch them out but i think
1: arsenal is just a machine right yeah. now and i, okay. I don't think they have, arsenal, they have they have a deeper squad this after. year they're playing better than ever in my opinion i think mm-hmm. I, they have a lot more experience this year i just I, in my opinion i think they steamroll porto i don't think porto really has, even has a chance yeah no. um yeah i kind know of- Sporting played them well last year in the in the right, Europa. I was
0: league. gonna say, yeah, and and wow, that man, was at a time think... that I think Arsenal was still playing really well. Obviously, I yeah, I joke around, weather. I joke around with uh, our friend Zach that Sporting gave Man City the, the league title because we took the, all the gas out of the tank for Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I did like last week. I did say Arsenal was like my quote unquote dark horse or or favorite to yeah. win, mm-hmm. not favorite, but good chance at winning the title. And I do still agree that they're playing really well. I just like to you know try to gas up my portuguese countrymen a little yeah
1: bit. i'd love to do the same but yeah I, uh, this time i don't think they have a chance that, that was the game that pedro gonzalez took ramsdale's pants down from a half the halfway line yeah that
0: was something else too um any final thoughts before we go to a step down to our next competition um yeah, I'm, just, I'm looking forward to the next round this
2: yeah. one
1: yeah, yeah, I, I agree. agree. I think I I had to agree. I, don't, I think it was Jason that said that Social Dad might be the dark, ho- dark horse here. I, I have to agree. I shouted them out at the end of the last match today as the right. dark horse. And I think uh, in this round, they could be the team to get a result. Yeah. I think they're the only one that really has a chance of surprising their heavy favorite opponent.
0: Right. Um, UEL, Europa League, we have a couple of us you know, here. Actually, all three of us here, plus uh, Angelo, who isn't here with us today, that have a stake in this um i'll read out all the matches and i think we'll we'll go one by one how we feel about our 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 draw uh roma Feyenoord. uh we have lens versus Freiburg. we got benfica take on toulouse galatasaray versus i do not know the name of this club actually
1: spartac Prague.
0: Spartak Prague. AC milan take on reigns we got young boys sporting braga still here which is great um and then shaka versus marseille I did not say who Braga was playing. They're playing Carabag, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's how it's pronounced. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's G, obviously I said your team first. Tell me how you felt when you saw who you were playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a pretty uh, straightforward draw. I think uh, we avoided some of the bigger teams that I was afraid of, which is pretty good. Uh, we play, This will be the third t- third season in a row that we play Feyenoord. We played them last oh, really? last season in the Europa League knockout rounds, and we played them in the final of the Conference League the, the previous season. So uh, we beat them... Both times pretty comfortably, so I'm. I think I'm pretty I'm expecting a pretty similar result here. So not much to say other than that, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think I think it should be straightforward. Obviously, they're coming down. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um. But, uh, Jay, how do you feel about Because. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we could
2: have asked for too much more. Um, I think Toulouse is what yeah relegation zone in, in league on this year uh this year so we, we couldn't have really gotten much of a better draw so uh, i'll take it we struggled a bit in uh in the champions league so hopefully this is a little bit more our level considering uh the, the poor start we had this year mm-hmm. um so i'm confident that they can make a good run for sure um so yeah but i i think i think uh, all of us because uh the three of us and then Andrew with milan i think we all got fairly favorable draws uh Milan probably got the hardest, um, I so I think none of us can uh, can really complain, and we can look forward to it. And also, Braga, another Portuguese team, I, I think they can definitely advance as well. So that'll make up for a great next round, considering uh, we still don't have all of the winners of the groups um, involved yet. So that should be fun.
0: Yeah, I um I, I I'm always very hesitant to like be super confident about a matchup obviously young boys they were in the champions league for a reason they came third in their group which they probably expected to come third um obviously they had city and leipzig those are heavy hitters um but they're not the worst club i would agree that realistically we should be sitting there and looking at listen we are the favorites we should be going through we have to be going through and set expectations for ourselves but i also would not throw caution to the wind and make sure that we are prepared for that game, obviously, and especially going to young boys will be an interesting, um, match. And I agree, Jay, I think, uh, yeah, we have most straightforward, obviously, Benfica and Milan should feel confident a little bit, I think, because, of the fact that they're the ones coming down this whole new little setup where the Mm -hmm. third place comes down to play the second place. Obviously, from a just a numbers point of view, from a reputation point of view, you are the bigger club coming down to play the smaller club.
1: Um, So that would give you a boost. No, actually, I talked to my brother about the Milan-Ren game, and uh, he was actually a little nervous about this game. I think one of the things that stuck out to me that he said was uh, Ren was one of the teams he wanted to avoid, and I understand why he said that. I mean, if you look at their lineup, they have a lot of – they have a lot of class players in this team. I mean Art Tayat's a great defender. Steve Mandanda and Net, that's a seasoned world class goalkeeper in my opinion. He's he's experienced. He's played in a lot of big games for a lot of different teams. You know, they have Kali who's a great electric attacker going forward. They have a lot of really good young players in this team, and I think I think there's a lot of there's something to be feared in this Ren team. And Angelo is very, very quick to admit that and I agree with them. I think that they're uh, they they were one of the teams that I know I was fearing as a Roma supporter that we could draw. So, yeah, good. for neutral, that's probably the pick of the pick of the draw to watch, right? I agree. Um, I think that's gonna be the most entertaining of the games. Yeah,
2: this this round of the, the I guess the playoff part is is a little bit new, but this round of games um, where you have the third place versus second place yeah. tend to be probably the worst of the uh, in terms of competitiveness. Um, you end up getting some really big teams versus some pretty poor teams. So um then the round after this should definitely be more exciting because mm. the ones we the teams we didn't mention that one, we still got West Ham, Brighton, Rangers, Atalanta and Liverpool, Villarreal, Slavia Prague, and Leverkusen yeah, that yeah. aren't in the straw that yeah, come in yeah. next round. So yeah. This is probably gonna be more exciting to watch than the Champions League.
0: Yeah. Starting mm-hmm. next round. Yeah, it's gonna be good and i think i mean obviously like we we favor our own clubs but i think some of these games are just still going to be tight i think it's still going to be a good yeah, amount sure. of exciting football yeah. um so i think yeah there's definitely a lot more tighter games in this specific round since it'll be played more or less around that first round of the champions league um yep. in comparison so i think it'll be fun and then uh just quickly obviously third iteration of the uecl uh the conference league um, couple of decent clubs still playing in this playoff round. We got, um, the Sturm Graz playing Slavia, Bratislava. Obviously like those, those like Eastern European clubs, they come to play a lot of times in Europe because a lot of the times they're dominating their domestic leagues. So what they're waiting for is this highly competitive matches. Um, I'll just name a couple of more of the big matches. I think Real Betis Dinamo Zagreb, same story. Real Betis obviously a good team. And then another... Another Eastern European team that usually comes in and comes to play in Europe, uh, Union, Union from Belgium and Frankfurt. Obviously, those are two respectable clubs. Union playing great in the in the league. Frankfurt having less of a great time in the league, but still still a competitor, still good. Um, and then Ajax in there versus Uh Bodo Glimt, which yeah, uh, I had it. That, in. And that
1: team, Bodo Glimt still gives me nightmares, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, you, yeah, you remember them fondly, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, these past couple of seasons, they've been, uh, they've been taking a couple of results their way, you know? Yeah. They've gone deep
1: in a couple of tournaments.
0: Yeah. Nothing to really like put in their history yet, but it's still respectful to, you know, earn their place as someone in the conversation. So that'll be a fun game.
2: Um, and that'd be fun to watch. Yeah. This is all, it's a good level. And then you still got, you still got Lille, uh, Club Rouge, Villa, Fiorentina. There's still some decent teams in there. So, I mean, it, it's, it's. We all clowned on it. It's a money grab, more games, all this stuff yeah. from UEFA. But realistically, for for some of these clubs, this is a really good competition
0: for them. We yeah, want it. I think. Right, right. Uh, Mourinho yeah. in the first iteration. So I That's right. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think I, I think as seasons go on, this competition, the the balance of clubs will even out, and I think we'll see those right. mid-table clubs or those like second, third-place clubs in the smaller leagues really compete in this and look look for something it, it personally well the only thing that i think sucks about it is the fact that it plays on the same day as europa league obviously yep. champions league that's the biggest give it two days to watch um and actually just for fixture congestion you got to really condense the games um but it's just unfortunate for the fans that don't get to really watch all of these games as much as we can because they're just all playing at the same yeah. time um yep. but definitely the latter stages they get a little bit more spread out there's less games um and we get to really enjoy it so i i like it i don't think it's too bad um and then actually that'll close out our review of the draw but that conversation of money grab and that conversation of fixture congestion brings us to our next topic a little bit of news to wrap up our episode today uh the reigniting of the flame to try to get the super league going um let's briefly break it down for people so they have this whole structure it is if i remember correctly the star gold and blue leagues correct me if yeah, i'm wrong it was proposed by, by some media
1: company i believe right this there's, there's like yeah, a there's like a whole,
0: yeah there's like this whole group organization that's trying to put this super league together uh already rejected by england and germany but let me finish um describing the how it would go down so if you don't know it'll be 16 teams in the gold division which is at the top best clubs in europe split into two groups of eight where they each play each team home and away like a mini league um same exact structure obviously with the next level of 16 clubs in europe And then the blue group has twice as many teams, 32, um, with four groups of eight, doing the same league structure, playing a game home and away, where they then play a knockout stage. Um, In theory, right? The whole how they rotate about 20 teams, I believe, out of the blue. I think that's I think that's great for getting clubs in. You know what I mean? Rotating something new all the time. Uh, There's a whole relegation promotion from each division. But as a competition as a whole, to introduce another major competition, which they're going to push for that to be credible and that to be, you know, like something clubs want to win, I think it's too much. I don't think we need more midweek. I think players are feeling, yeah, I had a conversation today um, actually with my cousin about fixture congestion and player injuries, which we haven't had too many changes, but I I just still think we're watching a lot of players get hurt and... um, Mm -hmm. And just a lot of negative impacts of trying to push a lot of games, you know, um, it's tough. Yeah, and
2: it, the, it was never really, I mean, they were all so excited when they got this court ruling, right? Like, oh, Super League's back, Super League's back. Right. And it turns out all they have is Madrid and Barca. So they're really right. just going to play each other 10 times. So that's, that's the only people that are going to really go in there. Everybody else has right. rejected it. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, there's definitely some positives to it, right? They're going to stream pretty much every single game completely free. Right, you can watch it. You don't need to pay anything whatsoever, which is something that the other leagues should take note of. Right. Um, right now, it's it's cheaper for us to watch English games here for the Premier League than it is for people in England, and they can't even watch every game. Yeah. So yeah. it's there's a there's a real really something to be said about the money grab being done in the leagues and kind of taking advantage of the fans. Mm. Um, but is a Super League the solution? Don't Uh, think so, but but there's definitely some some pieces of this that probably should be uh, considered by UEFA and FIFA. Something to learn for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I
1: think one of the things that uh, like one of my takeaways from this is that you know the what's so special to me about football a lot of the times is that we don't see. Uh, a Real Madrid play a Man United or a Bayern Munich all the time, and it only happens every so often. And I think that that makes it a little bit more special. And I think with the Super League, to be able to be watching games like that every single weekend, I think it would take a lot away of the like the the, the essence of the game, yeah. like what you... the importance of what they are when we watch them play against each other. I think it would ch- it would change a lot, and I I'm I'm not ready for it at all. To be honest, I don't really I don't really really back anything that they were saying i watched I, I watched that whole video a couple times that they had proposed and yep. something about it just isn't for me yeah, considering I, their first proposal uh this is way better because the first right, one was like right. you've got
2: comparison. these 10 teams that are buying in they're never leaving they're here every every season yeah we're basically going to be doing a whole league like and then it was like breaking away from domestic leagues so this yeah. is basically just a separate champions league where the clubs benefit more mm-hmm. where not the clubs the clubs that started i.e barca real madrid and anybody else that would kind of be the founding members would be getting billions of dollars in revenue so right. i mean it's still shady it's still weird but it's basically just a champions league that they're looking to do now which what's the point you're, yeah. you're basically just replacing what already exists as the best club competition in the world so i mean i i think it's it's with this announcement and all of the teams coming out, I mean, every team, big team apart from real and Barca have come out against
1: this. So I think it's pretty much dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Fabrizio, Fabrizio Romano's Twitter feed, it's just every one tweet after another, this club denies it, this club denies it, this club denies it. So I think it's good that the, the culture is still listening to the fans. And I know we all took this stance a couple of years ago when the Super League really came about and and the fans really, really made their voice heard around the world. To be honest, I thought it was pretty incredible, actually, to see the difference that we were all able to make just by saying that we reject it. And I think it's good that the clubs still understand that we feel that way and they that we don't want to see that. And I think another thing, too, that's so good about football is it's it's fun to see Man City go away to a Luton Town and play at Kenilworth Road and stuff like that, and yeah, and to see Roma play against these smaller teams in Italy and and so on and so forth around Europe. I mean, that's that's the whole part of the game, and that would take away. We would never see a game where like a Wolves beat a Man City ever again. Like we would never see up, upsets like that if the Super League became a thing. Right, and I think that it. we would lose we would lose a lot of the of what makes the game so special, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If yeah, it, I
2: it's almost like they're scared of getting embarrassed and don't think like they should be wasting their time with these smaller teams. Mm. When in reality, some of the best games we watched back in the day, the last few seasons, really have been the underdogs performing well and winning games. Like I mean, our a lot of our things like. Some of my favorite times watching soccer in the Prem was definitely that Leicester year. All those yeah. games you're winning, of like you're rooting for this underdog, You're yeah. literally just going in with no fear and knocking out all these top top teams with way more history, way more money. That was so enjoyable to watch. And it's almost like the goal of this is to make sure the big clubs get the money. They're always playing each other, and like the little guy don't really
1: get we would, to be involved. We in would money. never have a Leicester story again. Ever no. no, that happened.
0: Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the points you guys just made, I think, are very valid. I think it would lose the magic of those because, like, when we have these UCL draws that we just talked about, we're always sitting there on the edge of our seat, like, oh, could we? And like, when people predict, and like, Fabrizio Romano and those people of the world start predicting, like, oh, we have this chance of having a Barcelona Real Madrid El Clasico in the quarterfinals, and you lose that, you lose that. Like you said, it, it like almost be, you have too many of those big games, and it loses that mm-hmm. magic um and i think i think there are questions to be asked i think jay made a good point when he said that there's lessons to be learned to other claims i think i think fifa and uefa aren't the the best organizations in the world but unfortunately they're the ones that currently govern our the football that we love to watch um i think there's a lot of corruption we've seen it literally happen and i think there's other other still conversations to be had we won't go there but uh i think there are lessons to be learned where like the fans are what make this sport this sport wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the fans there would be no money if it wasn't for the fans and appeasing p- appealing to them getting some free streams you know what i mean and generate revenue in other ways or just reducing the prices so it's more affordable more convenient you increase numbers people don't you know pirate streams and things like that um and i think yeah i think it's important to use this not 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 adopt it but use the fact that some people like some of the ideas and listen like you said to the fans and just adopt and make things better how they are but i i don't hope i don't hope it goes through in my opinion yeah agreed
1: yeah fuck the super league
0: yeah and um that about wrap things up quick little episode for you guys not a super exciting week but we wanted to touch on a couple key points um coming up on the holidays so however you celebrate you do it well and you enjoy all your time with family and I'll keep on being set a son of a bitch take care everyone